the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together today. What a day. History, historic, all that. Um, I did not watch a television uh, at all today. Well, that's not true. Well, I didn't watch a television. I, that's true. I didn't watch the TV at all. I did on the internet. I did look at a few of the excerpts, uh, primarily of the of President Trump uh, leaving uh, office, uh, leaving uh, from... Uh, Andrews Air Force Base and all. Um, it was just kind of, uh, I just felt like I want to see that. But mostly I did not pay attention to it. I hope uh, if that was your interest, you would. If it's not, I think I told people stay away from it. But here we are. Here we are. Well, what you need to know, I'm going to tell you about that before we get to what you need to know today. Let me just tell you, uh, our interviews today are excellent, important our two interviews today. One is with John Schlafly, our weekly Schlafly report from John. And of course, John knows what he's talking about on all sorts of things. And his Schlafly report column, which runs in the uh, posts in the evening, Tuesday evenings, uh, uh, over on townhall.com, the sister side of the Salem Radio Network. Um, John also, though, is really good at um, uh, seeing a bit down the field. And what he is writing about uh, today uh, in order in this column this week is about the problem of election integrity and what we do going forward. And I think that's the kind of million dollar question. It's maybe the $74 million question uh, is how you restore election integrity into our system. So look for that that interview with John Schlafly will be excellent. And then we have an extraordinary interview. He's been on the show before, Pastor Michael Schust, S-U-S-T. He has a ministry called Go Vertical, a YouTube site. Uh, He ran a, a, a big church for a long time and he's a very big into church ministry, an incredible man, but he was born in the Czech Republic. And his father was um, put uh, put into a labor camp. Uh, he himself was put into prison by the communists. He fled ultimately and then later became a Christian and became a converted. And I think he might have been raised a Christian, but wasn't truly a, a convert until uh, in his 20s. Anyway, we're going to talk with him about one aspect of his time in communist prison, which was the effort to re-educate people. And, and the argument that we're going through right now in America that where they want to re-educate Americans on what the truth is. And his point is it's a communist uh, plot. He and I are old friends and we've been talking. Uh, so we'll talk with Pastor Michael Schust. All right. What do you need to know today? What you need to know today? First of all, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Get signed up for the Daily Wink. What you need to know, why, excuse me, W-Y-N-K. The Daily Wink goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and get signed up there because you'll get a lot of this in your inbox. No charge, no, no use of your email, nothing. But what you need to know today is this. When we watch this president, uh, well, now the uh, the previous president, I guess it has to be said, uh, uh, the 45th president, Donald Trump, and we say to ourselves, well, he, he certainly got a lot of negative attention and people say, oh, yeah, well, he deserved some of it or all of it or whatever. Here's what I want to tell you. It takes an extraordinary amount of courage for anyone to step into the public arena 
especially in this day and age. Whether you're running for school board or running for Congress or running for president, the level of intensity, the speed of the hate, it's just a tough, tough thing to do. The man who steps in the arena, that's the famous phrase used by Teddy Roosevelt, um, is and now man and woman, deserves our praise, right? Deserves incredible praise for being in the arena. And usually, I would say that's true just across the board. And it still is. But with Donald Trump... I have to say, the situation's gone categorically beyond sort of, oh, yeah, the man in the arena gets, uh, you know, a lot of attention, gets beat up, gets dust on him, all that phrase that Theodore Roosevelt's speech. Uh, In this case, this president has been brutally targeted. He, he, think about who he was before he ran for office. Now, you can say, well, he loved the attention. He loved the power. Fine. Okay. I get it. I'm not saying that any of the, but he's running for president isn't doing it because they want to enjoy it too. But in general, Donald Trump had sort of everything. He had a finally, I think, set, had settled down in terms of his wife. She, they seemed appear by all accounts very close. He'd had a couple of failed marriages. He had nice kids. He had wealth. He had fame because he had been a reality TV star. He had a platform to talk about the issues he cared about. He was talking about the China in the, in the problem of China in the 80s and 90s. He's talking about trade problems in the 90s and 2000s. He had plenty of ways he could make a difference. He had best-selling books, all that stuff. He decided to run for president. And I have to say, I think the people on the left don't believe this, but it looks to me like he just wanted to do something to make the country strong. And he ran on what he was talking about. He didn't get it all done, but he ran to make the military stronger. He spent a ton on the military. He ran to get the trade deals fair. He did that. He ran to stop the onslaught of immigration. He did that. Again, you don't have to agree with it. The policy things can be different. But in general, he's been brutalized for being in public life. And my prediction, I did an interview on a a radio station in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and my prediction is terribly, terrifying, uh, horrendous, that Donald Trump will be hounded by lawfare when he's out of office. In fact, my prediction is by noon on Thursday, the New York Attorney General will have announced that they have uh, charges that they're going to file against him or his family or his companies or something. And my question is, at a certain point, is so evil what they're doing and why did it happen and the only thing i can come up with is he truly was a threat to the general status quo the system of of working within the the sort of confines of the general operations if you don't like it you call it corruption the corruption of government if you think it's okay and we're doing okay you say well this is the way government's grown up and this is the system we have but This is so far beyond. It's really evil. And it's an evil. And when you see people indulging in evil and indulging themselves in evil behavior, it's really haunting. And I I just find that, you know, and, and here's another part of this. Think about the lesson of Donald Trump in office. The lesson is if you're a businessman, Mark Cuban, let's say Elon Musk, who says, I think I can make a difference, Kanye. I think I can make a difference because I've got all these other talents. I got money. I've got security. Now I'm going to do this. How could you? Why would you? Because the message was, and I'm, I'm willing to, by the way, I'm willing to pause and say to people that run for high office, especially Senate, Congress, governor, but at any level, but certainly the high offices, the level of scrutiny they get, you have to be a real tough character to do it. Now, generally, the people that do it are ones that have already lived in that in that world. If you you like it, they lived in the swamp. If you lived in the swamp long enough, you know where exactly your weaknesses are and what you and and you kind of manage it. 
And you're saying, okay, I've been, I'm, I'm Joe Biden. I've been in office for all these years. The, the, the problems I had with uh, treatment of women and my policy, I, I've navigated it all. And I'm secure enough in it. I know what the game is. But normal people who would get in the arena, they'll never do it again. They will never do it again. You can't tell me that a, a normal person isn't looking at saying, you know what? I'm Jeff Bezos. I got a ton of money. I'd never run for office. Mark Zuckerberg, he talked about running for office. It says crazy. You can have as much influence outside, especially if you're Mark Zuckerberg. You can use your power of your, of your throttle, uh, throttling voices. It's extraordinary to watch this incredible, incredible situation and the savaging. That's the word. It's savagery of this guy who's in office. Now, I wish he'd won a second term. I think it would have been really good for the country. I think it would, there would have been things that were done and the people that are complaining that he didn't do enough and all that, I get it. But I also think, you know, he probably was planning on a second term and he didn't get it. And so my point though is the savagery is beyond the pale. The savagery is beyond anything that you should expect as normal. Now, I, I, I'm going to finish later on. The, if you go to the window today, what you need to do, I'm going to be much more upbeat because I am. I think, look, I think America can come back. We always do. I think we got a lot of things we can get done and all that. We always will. And I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the future. But I am daunted by the savagery of the left, of the fake news, of big tech, of the culture. And that's not to excuse this president from any mistakes he made. But you know what? He's a human being. He's a man. He's going to make mistakes. He has. He would. He could expect it. But the savagery, and frankly, it's effective. It's effective to savage him in the public's eye. It's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. So uh, anyway, well, we, we, I don't want to dwell on that. I want to, I want to move forward to go looking, but I want to say this, the man in the arena, thank you to all those people that step in the ring, step in the arena. It's not easy. And uh, be clear-eyed about the cost to somebody like Donald Trump. It's amazing. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk with uh, we will talk with uh, John Schlafly. That's later on in the program. And uh, Pastor Michael Schust. My uh, Pastor Michael Schust is up next. We'll talk with him about what's going on with communist reeducation when he was a young man and what he sees in common right now. So uh, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to get signed up for the Daily Wink. The Daily Wink goes in your email box every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, check it out. All right, we'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. And uh, our next guest is our old friend, John Schlafly. John Schlafly is one half of the Schlafly Report. It took two of the late Phyllis Schlafly's uh, sons to do what she did every week, a weekly column that appears over at townhall.com and uh, also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. John, welcome back to the program. First of all, how do you write a column on a two for Tuesday night publication when the next day is the inauguration? I mean, how do you of Joe Biden for president? How, how do you do that? Well, by uh, by writing about something else uh, <laughs> is how we did it. Ed. And what we stressed is the fact that, you know, a large majorities of the Republicans and people who voted for Trump still believe that Trump won the election. Now, that is, you know, that is a fact of American life and politics that has to be recognized and dealt with. And um, no poll after poll shows that. And um, uh, one of the 
just last week a report by Dr. Peter Navarro, who is, I think, the only person, Ed, who served in the White House for the entire 1,400 days of the Trump Trump first term, um, issued the title of his report was, Yes, President Trump Won. And he went into detail about the what happened in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Nevada. And um, yes, uh, Biden is being taking the oath of office today. He says he wants to, you know, he's making a pretense about bringing us together. But, um, you know, he has not reached out to President Trump or Trump supporters. I don't don't expect that today. And we have a divided country, which will continue. Well, John, let me ask you a question. And I, I'm, I'm going to smile as I say this. We're talking with John Schlafly. I know you're 20 years older than me. And so but that made you only 10 years old in 1960. So I don't think you'll remember it, but you may remember the aftermath. Um, but maybe the aftermath was eclipsed by the assassination. But it was widely thought that John F. Kennedy won the 1960 election by by getting votes that weren't his up in uh, Chicagoland. And the Daily Machine, and that that was well known and and sort of considered at the time. But he still was the president, and he went on to serve as president for three years before he was assassinated. But did that did that um, distrust of the system dissipate uh, over time? I mean, again, it, it seems like there's two challenges. One is you got to run the elections better, in my opinion. They don't they're not transparent. There's too many places where fraud looks like it occurred, and and we never got to the bottom of it. But the second one is millions, tens of millions. 100 million, some number of million, because Democrats agree with the the idea that the election was stolen. Uh, A whole bunch of them, 30 percent, I think, say that it was stolen. So you're talking maybe 100 million Americans think the election was fraudulent. You don't go vote in something you think doesn't matter. And the confidence in elections goes out the window. What in the 1960s or in other times where there was fraud, how do you overcome that lack of confidence? Um. Well, of course, uh, you know, Richard Nixon, the Republican candidate, conceded the election. And so after he conceded, uh, that was really the end of it, except that uh, uh, Republicans did talk about, did understand uh, the types of fraud. But we have different types of fraud today. And the, you know, the principal issue that uh, that occurred in the 2020 was the vast expansion of tens of millions of mail-in ballots. You cannot have proper security or oversight of the mail-in voting process. So tens of millions of ballots, I mean, that's what, that was the story of 2020, the big, a big part of the story. There were a number of other things too, but uh, well, I, so, I think so, the solution so, is to return to election having day. one election day, which is what federal law requires, actually. Everyone goes to their personal polling place and their personal precinct, shows up in person, presents their ID, and casts a physical paper ballot on 
election day. That's what we need to safeguard our elections. Well, John, so let's talk about that. Let's say let's say that let's say that that's the reform that you and I agree should happen and election day and only absentee ballots if you're serving in the military or you're in the hospital or something, right? Whatever, however that you can have an absentee ballot standard perhaps. But let's say now, could 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 the red states that have super majorities, could Montana implement that right away? Uh, do they get challenged in court? Uh, you know, does it go to the Supreme Court and say, ah, no, no, you know, you, you can't deny someone the franchise. Um, it, one of the Pennsylvania cases, the challenges that came up, I think, through Congressman Mike Kelly said our Pennsylvania courts and the and the law, the, the courts changed the rules on mail in ballots. It's unconstitutional. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, we're not going to invalidate um, votes by people. Th- that's their franchise. We're going to be afraid of that. I, again, my point is, is short of a federal what amendment or federal law that says you have to have election day could st- could we have states do it as models could we have montana do it next week and missouri do it the week after so that in 2022 you've got states that are doing it and and showing how good it is as opposed to uh flopping around and having all this uh loose elections on mail-in ballots there is much that states can do um of course the first thing is we have to stop uh congress from passing Nancy Pelosi's bill, which she passed in the House two years ago called H.R. 1, which would have, you know, overridden many of the state laws that we already have. But the Constitution uh, divides the power between Congress and the states for elections. And it's a very subtle and kind of difficult to understand provision about what Congress can do and what the states can do. And uh, so there is going to be a battle over elections in the in the coming year in 2021. And uh, yes, we want to encourage every state to tighten up on their elections. But of course, we'll have to push back against the liberals who believe that the secure election is tantamount to voter suppression. Right. You know, that is going to be the narrative and we have to be prepared for that. It's not voter suppression to insist that voters be United States citizens and they prove their identity and they are registered in advance of Election Day. Uh, We cannot allow same day registration. Um, You know, we people have to be registered at their domicile at their place of permanent residence Uh, and then they vote in the local precinct which is assigned to their residence that's the only way to safeguard elections uh, we're talking with uh, John Schlafly and his Schlafly report is over townhall.com and also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Just one footnote. one of the, uh, There's a book I'm reading, John, about a uh, by a uh, University of, I think, Kentucky professor on how much voter fraud there was uh, from 1790 till 2004. And he disappeared. He's a liberal. So he disappeared. Suddenly no one wants to talk about voter fraud. You know, he, this was the this was a academic discussion. I went looking to see if he was commenting and he was he was saying, no, no, this was the best election ever. I. Uh, John, you mentioned something um, uh, about on policy issue, which I, I want to grab because I think you'll probably be writing about it. Um, Joe Biden has said he will seek amnesty for 11, 20 million and whatever the number is, illegal aliens. Um, and and John, as a matter of politics, uh, 
at this point, has the 74 million people that voted for Trump, plus a lot of other people that maybe voted for Biden, but don't are they have we coalesced around the fact that we're going to not go back to the old uh, uh, version of of open borders? Do you think that that politically we've made that or are we faced with some kind of deal in Washington that's going to change the the direction of the country and and the people aren't going to be aware of it or rise up to stop it? Well, the issue will be fought in the coming two years because uh, the interest groups that support open borders are very well-funded and powerful. As far as uh, the public, I think you have a point that, uh, you know, the momentum of the general public is against open borders. uh, And... As the New York Times pointed out yesterday, the Republicans who signed on to the last push for open borders, which was the so-called Gang of Eight bill in 2013 and 14, you know, those they're they're not in the Congress anymore. Uh, people like John McCain, the only the one left, the one who's still there is Lindsey Graham, but the others are gone. Hmm. So um, even though there are fewer Republicans. They are stronger, I would say. Uh, It's like that old joke about uh, (laughs) the Soviet purge trials where they said we'll have fewer but better Russians. Well, (laughs) I'm hoping we'll have have fewer but better Republicans who will stand up to the pressure, uh, the well-funded pressure. And mind you, the same uh, Silicon Valley monopolies who are choking off free speech are also funding open borders and amnesty. So it's a powerful interest group that we're fighting centered in Silicon Valley, south of San Francisco, California. Hmm. That, that battle will continue this year. Hmm. All right, John. Well, listen, it's a, it's important uh, column. I'll put it up on social media. Thank you for your time. We'll talk again next week. John Schlafly, everybody. Again, his, he and his uh, brother Andy's, their column posts over at townhall.com uh, on Tuesday evenings and then over uh, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. John, we will uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you for your time. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My old friend, Pastor Michael Schust, is with me. He has, uh, he's been on the show before, and he's been a leader in church communities, also in music. He was uh, trained as a, as a professional uh, singer and uh, has had a career in that, but he's also done incredible ministry work with uh, young people in music. And But maybe the most important um for this moment is uh, Michael Schust as a young man was imprisoned by the communists in his home country. And I'll say the Czech Republic. He may correct me at the time. It may not have been the Czech Republic, but um, and uh, and they they try to do reeducation on him. And as I'm watching what we're hearing and what we're seeing and the, the kind of tests that are being offered uh, of National Guardsmen down at the Capitol, I thought, let's talk to Pastor Michael Schust. So first of all, Pastor, welcome back to the program. How are you? 
Doing well, Ed. Greetings from sunny Florida. I'm <laughs> longer sharing in the Missouri cold for the past six weeks or so. Yeah. Well, I know between your uh, your grandchild down there, uh, your, your, and plus the son and all, but hey, tell me first about um, the your perspective on what's happening in the country. I'm reminded of Kitty Worthman, who I think you met when she was, yeah, you met her. Of course, you were on a panel with her. Kitty is in her 90s and, and was born in Vienna, saw Hitler, saw the communists and when she talks it's it's different than when i talk about it and same with you so first before we talk about your 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 youth where you were put in re-education camp sort of what's your observation on america right now well uh i am having a major deja vu uh, of course you know there is no other great country in the world america is it to which people like me would immigrate when things turn uh in favor of the communist movement. So I am just sitting on needles right now and hoping that uh, we're not done yet. And I know that the Lord is not done with us yet. And so we'll just keep fighting. Yeah. Uh, and um, all right. So now let's talk about your, your youth. And I've heard the story a few times, but our listeners can will benefit from sort of uh, you walking us through who you I, I like the beginning. You were a wayward young man. And then we'll go from there. So walk us through and then tell us how it applies to today. Well, let me give you a quick synopsis. So when I was six years old, that was 1968, and my dad was part of the uh, democratic wave movement under Alexander Dubček that was squashed, uh, and ultimately the Soviets were brought in to occupy. And my my father and others uh, were put in jail. My dad was on forced labors uh, after that for about... 17 years until his retirement and never did his job again. Wow. And uh, eventually, um, long story short, um, during my conservatory years, you know, I got into the circles of entertainment and classical music and also doing shows as a young man. And uh, unlike my brothers, my two brothers who did that in a smart way through comedy, um, I would kind of open my mouth and uh, my family was already on the blacklist. You have to realize that also, you know, that whole thing with, hey, report the people who don't wear a mask and things like that while the politicians are happily doing parties without the masks. Right. We've had all of, we've had all of that. And there was 3.7 million registered snitches in the country of 10 million people. Wow. So you can imagine what that was like. That's including, you know, children. So yeah. Uh, eventually, I wound up in communist prison uh, for about uh, 19 months. And uh, that, speaking of re-education camp, my perspective on America is that the re-education in America already happened. And I'm talking about, you know, middle school, high school, and especially college education of our young people. Um, they don't know anything much about American history the way it really was. Uh, the founding fathers are portrayed as... Uh, sort of uh, power-hungry people that came here to acquire slaves and uh, uh, nobody knows anything about the Great Awakenings and uh, many other events. So uh, unfortunately, that's what happened. And so uh, when it comes to the extreme side that I went through, then people ultimately who actually think for themselves and see the wrong of it and see that this uh, communist propaganda has never worked around the world, all of those systems sooner or later collapsed, with a handful of people that would be leading them, you know, um, having control of the armed forces, police, and communications. So 
I think ex- with the exception of the army, that's where my sort of hope is also, humanly speaking. Uh, right now, the communists and the globalists have control of everything else. And we've seen that. We've seen the censorship. We've seen that. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. This is America. It's just yeah. unbelievable. You know? it, 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 we're talking with uh, Pastor Michael Schust. And make sure, uh, Pastor, before we finish, to talk about uh, your current ministry and, and, and push people to your website. I know you've been doing a lot of preaching and teaching there. But I want to I wanna go back to uh, one aspect of this, because I've been telling the folks that are really despondent uh, about the direction that there's a couple things you have to do. One is you have to anchor yourself in, in what's real and true, you can't pretend that you can just float along. And and so many, to your point, so many people in America are not anchored. And then after you're anchored, you have to find the communities within which you're working and living and build them stronger and make a difference, in, whether that's politics or church or whatever. But but to the anchoring, to the mooring of ourselves, and I want to first go, you were in, in prison, they're trying to re-educate you, you're, you were, and I think I remember, you were, you, know, you were full of yourself, you were pretty talented, you were convinced you had it figured out, and you got brought to your knees, but you got anchored in in the scripture and that for your life changed that was the change more than if i can say at least hearing you than figuring out how politics work to having the anchor from which you you can sort of be battered by life but still held strong i, I, I talk about that please well i had to put this um, in the right perspective I did not come to the Lord until after my escape from communist Czechoslovakia. And my motivation in that was another powerful force, um, which I'm not proud of, but I was driven by hate. And uh, so when it came to the prison experience and the whole plot to uh, um, escape and uh, I was motivated by revenge and uh, I had a list of people that I sent threatening letters to before I left and threatened to kill them and put them away and uh, because they hurt me and my family. Uh, fortunately, on the way during the escape, which was a pretty dramatic story itself, the Lord Jesus intercepted my way and uh, uh, it took a while to get all that hatred out of my heart. Hmm. Uh, you know, four or five years before I even reached reached out to people that I actually threatened and asked them for forgiveness. So, praise God for the past twenty five years, I was going back and proclaiming the gospel in the Czech Republic and um, bringing a lot of young people to Christ. So, when it comes to the anchoring, I just want to encourage everyone to really sit down and think, and then look up and just ask the Lord. Um, to uh, welcome them to his family and begin to follow him. Don't follow man, follow Christ first. Uh, we're talking with Pastor Michael Schust about his experience in the uh, and held, held by the communists. So when you say re-education, and I know you say America's already gone through it because our public schools and others have, have taken God out and all, but what concretely were they trying to teach you when you were with the communists? What, what was this sort of takeaway that they were trying to force you to believe in? Well, they would try to teach us their own religion, where in the center of um, all of that on the throne sits the Communist Party. So it's, hey, um, choose us. And if you don't choose us, we will give you some powerful reasons why you must. Hmm. So basically, you are subjected to hardship, military-like discipline, a lot of marching and a lot of uh, exercise, physical hardship, and uh, working conditions, you know, 14 hours a day work and uh, waking up with sirens, you know, at five o'clock in the morning and all of that. So uh, it was kind of like um, a point where a lot of people would last. 
well, let me say this, you know, prior to that, you're subjected to a time of isolation. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, biblically, if you want to look it up in Proverbs, isolation is a menace. And because uh, we're created to fellowship and uh, a lot of people would give up right there, you know, after two or three weeks. And uh, I was in the isolation for seven months. And, uh, um, you know, when the breaking point does not come, they do three things. They first promise you things, try to pull you uh, on the on their side to promise you power. And secondly, they threaten you. And if you don't budge, then they punish you then they you're you're ousted and and uh, you're separated from the society even though you may live outside within the fence um people are afraid of you and afraid to talk to you and so Hmm. it was kind of my life (laughs) wow wow okay uh, i'm gonna run out of time but before i do uh, tell me about uh we go vertical and 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 your ministry right now and what you're doing and and where people can go to listen uh to uh, your teachings well tell you what um i think the best way i'm I actually have a channel on YouTube that's, uh, if you just put in vertical fellowship. Uh-huh. Um, lately, I've been doing some really practical teachings that have to do with um, just this whole situation. There is one that's called um, Out of the Lions, then I'm going to do a conclusion this Sunday. And hmm. there are a couple of others, uh, one called Deceive uh, from Second Timothy 3. And, you know, the Lord saw it coming. It says that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so this is just something that it, we must consider be, to be worth fighting for. It's not going to happen by itself. And so I encourage your listeners to check that out if they uh, want to um, listen to some Bible teaching that is verse by verse, because this is nothing new under the sun. God has already told us. Yeah. Right. I've got, I've got your, uh, I've got it up on my uh, machine. I'll, I'll put it up on social media and make sure uh, we put it out there. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Schust, uh, for your voice and, and for all that you're doing. And we'll look forward. We may have reason to, uh, to discuss this topic in the coming years, I think, whether the reeducation of Americans or maybe, maybe the next thing, maybe the, the value here is to figure out how to uh, kind of go back and, and, and re-educate ourselves. So we'll have to figure it out. Well, thank you for your time very much. And uh, we appreciate it. Love you, brother. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, yeah. Pastor Michael Schust, everybody. I'll put it up on social media, his uh, YouTube uh, uh, channel, and you can get it there. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. We've heard a lot from the media about how industry cannot find enough workers with specialized skills. But I was shocked to read a recent article about a conversation at a gathering of executives from major American manufacturing companies. The talk turned to how hard it is to find qualified applicants for jobs. Somebody asked, what exactly are the skills you cannot find? I was expecting somebody to say, writing computer code, operating graphics software, or other computer procedures, but not at all. One of the executives responded to the question by saying, to be perfectly honest, we have a hard time finding people who can pass the drug test. Another employer said that job applicants are often so underqualified that it's difficult to find anyone who can properly answer the telephone. Other employers in the group mentioned a lack of basic command of the English language. 
one executive compared the skills gap between older workers who are nearing retirement and younger workers just coming into the labor pool. He said, simple grammar and spelling are the top basic skills among older workers that are not present in younger job applicants. One survey that was published by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York reported that the top applied skill that younger job applicants lack is just simply what is called the work ethic. That means workers who reliably arrive for work on time, ready to do a day's work. These are referred to as soft skills, and they used to be taken for granted among job applicants, but now they seem to be rare. Maybe these deficiencies are the result of a defective school system, maybe to the breakdown of the family unit, maybe too much TV and video games. Nobody has effectively answered these questions, but we should face up to the nature of the problem facing many of our young people who cannot find jobs today. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. Pro-America. We got to be pro-America, right? Pro-America. Uh, we're for whoever's president, doing well, keeping us safe. We're for our uh, military. We're for America. Pro-America. And uh, great interviews with John Schlafly and Pastor Michael Schust. Don't forget, you can always go over to uh, ProAmericaReport.com and you can check in on all those interviews. They're all over there as standalone links. Uh, not right away. They'll be there by, uh, well, a couple hours from now. So please do that. And uh, great interviews. So thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you, Pastor Schust, as well as John Schlafly. OK, what do we finish? You know, we finish with what you need to do, what you need to do. Now, listen, this one is uh, a teaching that um, I, um, I I was learned early in my life. I don't know when exactly, but I remember writing it down. And here it is. Ready? Gratitude is the antidote for impatience. So I'm impatient now to fight back against the liberal policies and to stop what's going on. I'm impatient for November 20, uh, 2022 to come. I'm impatient. But you have to have gratitude for where you are. And what I want to encourage you is gratitude. In this case, what you need to do is be thankful to God if you're the believer, if you're a believing type. I hope you are. To God and to your fellow man fellow citizen, and especially to President Trump. And the spirit of gratitude requires that you pause, in my opinion, and say thank you. I mean, you could say it in your head. You know, I got up early, early this morning, very early, because it was a long day for me to think about all this stuff. And I actually sat in my chair. I have a nice chair that my uh, uh, kids and my wife tease me about right next to the fireplace. And I, I sat there at early morning, the lights off, the fire going. And I just, I was thankful for all the things I've been blessed with, my family, my health, all that. And I also was thankful for President Trump. And I said out loud, 
Thank you, God. I said, thank you, God, for President Trump, but also expressing that to the president, to Donald Trump as an encouragement. One of my friends, dear friend of mine, Pat Luna uh, from St. Louis, amazing lady, wonderful family, wonderful mom and wife, uh, and just a great friend of ours. Um, she emailed and said this morning, crack a dawn and said some of her friends and her, maybe she texted, uh, wanted to send thank you to the president. And my answer was, I didn't know where you could send a handwritten note or a note, except Mar-a-Lago. I think Mar-a-Lago is where he's going to live. I think that's it. that address is on the internet. I don't think the Trump Tower in, in New York is the right place. I, there's no uh, presidential library yet or anything. I think Mar-a-Lago, you can find that address on the internet. You know, it's a resort. And so you can send it there and just address it to President Donald Trump and they'll put it in the hopper. I mean, he's going to have a staff that's handling all that stuff. So, but but my point is this, take time, even as you're frustrated and impatient and nervous, anxious to express your gratitude again to the Lord for all the blessings we have as a nation and to President Trump and to his family, especially Mrs. Trump, Mrs. Trump and Barron. I can't imagine these poor kids that have to live in that world. Uh, it was the Bush kids or uh, Chelsea Clinton, or even and then the Obamas. I mean, I just can't imagine this, this is such an abnormal life. I know they get lots of benefits and blessings and all uh, for being in you know the family, but it's got to be a brutal way. Not just so not normal, uh, but anyway. So so say, say find a t- find a way to make sure that you express gratitude. To pray if you're on social media, put it on there. Say thank you, President Trump. I, trust me, the echoes of gratitude, it's sort of, it's like a, it's like not dropping a, it's not, it's not dropping a pebble into a, into a, um, a pond, you know, a, a flat uh, surface where there's no, and it ripples. It's like dropping a boulder in the middle of it and it splashes and echoes out. People appreciate it. So please do that. That's my, that's my, what you need to do for today is uh, the attitude of gratitude. All right. We got to go though. Thank you. Attitude by gratitude. Thank you to Noah, our great technical director. Had a lot of work to do today to get the show uh, cleaned up for me and Joanna for booking our guests and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.